I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP show. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 299. Look at that, one away from the big 300 episode. Before we chat with today's guest, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by the 90 Day Mentoring Challenge. I cover the following key areas to grow your career, communication, consulting, technology, Microsoft, community, engagement, personal brand, and career paths. If you want to be mentored in the next 90-day challenge, totally free, please go to nz365guide.com forward slash mentor. Now let's get on with the show. Today's MVP is from Auckland, New Zealand. He's a consultant and director of AppRising. He's a first-time MVP. He's one of the organizers of the Auckland Dynamics 365 user group and the New Zealand 365 Saturday events. He enjoys spending time with his family and friends, traveling, kite surfing, and generally keeping fit, just like most Kiwis. Uh, check him out on Twitter, Hamish Shield, uh, or at his website, dynamiccitizendeveloper.com. Hamish, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's funny hearing your voice um, from the point that, you know, it's very Kiwi. And um, I find that, you know, so much of my work is is working in the either the US time zone or the European time zone. Uh, and so I'm on calls constantly in those regions. And then um, I hear a Kiwi accent. I'm like, oh, apart from my wife and, and immediate family... Um, I don't have much interaction I can see with other Kiwis these days. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think I spent a fair, a fair time in the, the UK for about three years, and you do notice that the, the Kiwi accent, if you don't listen to it all the time, is very polarizing. And I remember when I came back into Auckland Airport, and you've got the announcers over the speakers, and I was just like kind of almost appalled at our, <laughs> our really crazy accent. Um, yeah, it can be to a British or an American one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. I don't know whether I'm biased or, or whether I just read some bullshit data or something like that, but I heard that the Kiwi accent, they reckon, is one of the sexiest accents in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure about that. But, yeah. <laughs> well, from our point of view, and, and, and ask an Australian, I'll tell you that our accent totally sucks. But um, oh, exactly. it, was, it was interesting. When I first went to MVP Summit, I remember, like, uh, Matt Witterman hitting on me like no tomorrow because of my Kiwi accent. Um, he called home to his wife and had her talk to me so she could hear it and his daughter and stuff like this. It was like, yeah, it was obviously very unique to the Americans. Oh, yeah, yeah it is funny, isn't it? Very funny. Because like for us, you know, like French or something like that is a sexy accent. Definitely not the Kiwi. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, for me, it's definitely French or um, the other one that I absolutely love is uh, is Irish, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Irish. Yeah, got an Irish friend. It's, yeah. It's, you can never stop listening to them, right? It's just, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. So anyhow, good to have you on the show. Let's talk a bit about you. 
Uh, tell us a bit about, you know, your sense of place, where's your home, fun, family, all that kind of thing you do when you're not doing uh, power apps. Yeah, so as you said, I'm, I live in Auckland in New Zealand, and I've, oh, I've been here for the last 10 years or so, and before that I was over in, in the UK, but kind of outside doing power apps and power platform stuff, it's um, we live close to the beach, we're, we're a 10-minute walk, so we're very, very lucky, so spend a lot of the time at the beach and in the water uh, with the kids, and I've got two, two young kids, four and two, so pretty much my life revolves around work and then you know anything to do with them is you know outside of work uh, that keeps me very busy nice are they, are they girls or boys one of each so very lucky to have one of each wow the, the little nuclear family eh? yeah yeah so that's no, great fun but when i yeah when i do get the old leave pass to get away from the family i'll, you know, I'll be out going kite surfing or in my, in my kayak and going fishing and things like that so which is kind of you know it's great being living in a place like auckland you've got all that at, yeah at your doorstep how how hard is it to pick up kite surfing, right? It seems like you you got to really know how to surf for one, and then you got to be able to hold that you know kite airborne and, and let it pull you along. Was it hard to pick up? Yeah, it's um I, I mean, I've done quite a lot of snowboarding. So the board, I guess, riding the board is very similar to snowboarding or, or wakeboarding, um, very similar to wakeboarding. And then you know instead of having a you know, a boat that you're hanging on to for wakeboarding, you're hanging on to a kite. And I've actually come from a, a sailing background. So flying a kite was kind of, um, yeah, kind of came as second nature. So yeah, I was very lucky in terms of it didn't take me too long to, to pick it up. But in saying that, it's it's nowhere near as, as hard as it looks. It looks really difficult, but um, yeah, it's it's not, not too hard. So most people, I think with, you know, if you have a couple of, you know, two or three lessons, most people are kind of up on, you know, on the board and flying the kite after, yeah, three, you know, two or three hours. So, have you seen these these kind of like surfboards that have a uh, like a fin underneath them? And people, I don't know, do they have a motor on the bottom? But I, I was down the viaduct one day, and I just saw this dude. It seems to be he was bouncing along on it, and you know, no sail or anything like that yet, but seemed to be able to stay, you know, afloat or you know, about a meter above the water. Have Have you looked at those fin boards or whatever they're called? No, I haven't. I haven't seen them. I've heard about them. Like apparently, um, I've heard of guys. Cause I've got a friend who lives out at, at Piha, which is you know the one of the surf beaches here. And here, reckon some guys have got these boards and they've got no motor, but they get on a wave and it comes up onto the foils, and then they somehow put they pump up and down on the the board, which keeps the foils going. And they can go loop around behind the waves and come back and catch another wave again without even. Um, touching down on the water again so i think you know obviously technology with these foils these days you don't need a lot of lift to actually get them out of the water so um not surprised that you saw someone without you know a sail or anything yeah and that was on a flat you know it was inside the you know where the boats are you know in the marina and there was no waves and yet he was definitely bouncing up and down there looked to be no motor or anything like that, but he was going round in circles inside the marina without any mechanical means. And I was like, wow. That's, that's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing. What, I mean, every time you kind of go out to the harbour here, there's someone else who's a, you know, a, a windsurfer on foils or someone's on foils. It's, you know, all the rage, I guess, with the America's Cup being here, right? Everything's about the foil. <laughs> yeah, so you mentioned the America's Cup, and of course, for those listening, this is a uh, a race that I assume started in America, being that it, it has that name, and 
New Zealand are the current defenders, and so therefore all the international uh, uh, contingents have come to New Zealand, and it's race time once every it's every four years, right? Yeah, every four years. Yeah. So what's your prediction? Um, you know, we now know who the challenger is. We know, you know, that we are going to be defending. What do you reckon is going to be the outcome? I don't know. It's it's so hard to tell. Like everyone's, I mean, everyone in New Zealand seems to be pretty pro, you know, the Team New Zealand and, you know, there's rumours that are, you know, really, really fast boat, but we haven't seen them race the other teams since before Christmas. So I don't know. I think, you know, Prada and, and Jimmy Spittle is such a tough competitor I reckon it's going to go down to the wire, but I do. I think we've. I think we'll, we'll we'll pull through. I think. Yeah, I think we'll we'll come away with the wind. Uh, win, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's an uh, it, it. You know, COVID is another thing that's affected, right? You know, tr- traditionally this type of event would have been probably massively oversubscribed with folks in from all around the world, and of course, with the world we live in now, um, a lot of people can't. They're not even allowed to travel to New Zealand. Yeah, no, I mean, we just, we're so incredibly lucky here in New Zealand. I mean, it's probably the only place in the world that you could hold the America's Cup or any sort of sporting event like of that size at the moment. So yeah, you do, you do feel very grateful for living in the country like ours, that's for sure. Even though, as I'm speaking to you, <laughs> we're in level three lockdown right now, but I'm sure that'll be, um, that'll pass pretty quickly by the end of the week, hopefully. You know, one of the best decisions I made was March last year. You know, I was living down the Viaduct Harbour, uh, one building along from Microsoft's office. And I said to my wife, when lockdown was obviously imminent at that point, I said, we just got to get out to our, we had, you know, had some land up north. Uh, it just had a shed on it. And I tell you, best decision we ever made, because when I see Auckland going through those lockdown cycles with the density of the population, I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad I'm not there. Yeah, yeah, that's no, a bit. You know, I guess we can't complain because we've, you know, we've had it really good compared to the rest of the world. But um, yeah, being outside of Auckland definitely has its advantages right now. <laughs> so true, and you know, I'm very remote, so don't see a lot of people, as I say. So tell us about, you know, you've been an MVP. How long now? How, how many months? Um, we came out. I think nine months. I think it was. I think it was July last year. So not not very long. It seems. It actually seems like a long time ago, to be honest. Um. Yeah, I mean, as you know, the whole MVP, I guess, community, is, it's full on and, and everyone's very welcoming. And so kind of once you're in there, yeah, you kind of feel like you've, you've always been in it. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool experience, that's for sure. So true. And of course, at the similar time, because I did a podcast with you sometime last year about your business being launched, AppRising. Uh, I, I saw somewhere the other day you were advertising uh, to take on uh, a staff, which means that's growth. So that's exciting. What's happening with your business? Yeah, so it's it's super exciting. I I guess I've got to the point. I mean, the the power platform itself is just you know as you, as you know, it's just going gangbusters, and you know, everyone is getting on board and they can see the benefits in you know taking it on. And so um, I've just yeah, I'm actually at the point where I've been turning down work. I've got too much work on, and um, my my business model is kind of around or was more around. Um, at least enablement for, for um, customers on the on the power platform. So how do they adopt it? Get their own citizens developers going, which has been fine. But what I've also found is that um, companies or people just don't have the time the time to learn all of it. I mean, it is easy to pick up and it's easy to learn and build your own solutions, but they just 
literally have so many other things going on that they just turn around and say, hey, now that you've helped us get on board and you've designed us a solution, can you build it for us as well? And so I'm essentially bringing someone on board to, to help me get through some of the delivery and the development. It's a bit of you know, a, power, it's a power platform maker. So currently interviewing for that. So it's really exciting. It's um, a huge leap for someone like myself who's, you know, been a one-man band for a year and have just started, but um, yeah, incredibly exciting at the same time. So good. So so positive to see that. What's your take on the employment landscape in business apps in New Zealand? Oh, it's if you're an employer, it's so hard. It's and it's been that it's been that way, I guess, for a number of years now. But um, if you go onto LinkedIn or to any of the the Microsoft partners in the Dynamics 365 or Power Platform space that everyone is hiring for multiple roles. Uh, so it's incredibly, um, yeah, incredibly difficult to, to, to find people. Um, so yeah, so I guess, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for you know, people who want to get more into the Power Platform or just, you know, switch roles from a, the current job or whatever. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there for people who are looking for work. Um, and, and I think, you know, partners are gonna have to start bringing on people with, you know, that are less skilled and, and train them up. And that's the only way that, you know, especially in New Zealand here, but I think it's the same around the rest of the world that you know, we're actually going to be able to make progress and build these, I don't know, millions of apps that Microsoft are predicting in the next few years. Yeah. And and, and it's happening, right? There's there's companies like, you know, so I'm, I'm just about to do an interview with T-Mobile and just seeing how they're adopting the platform. And then I've had, uh, you know, some of the pharmaceutical companies on that, you know, they're up to their 300th app type thing. And you can see they've adopted the platform and they're going, hey, how how much uh, of the old software line of business applications can we retire and have a standardized way of staff to interact um, with data, uh, but having a total tailored experience by having a custom app to do that. And I think you talked about the opportunity. The opportunity is is unbelievable, and the growth trajectory of <clears throat> where Microsoft is going with this technology. I think that anybody starting now would be, you know, I would say a hundred percent safe bet to to do a career pivot into the space and to you know invest in yourself, learn, spend a year really learning. And I tell you, you could go anywhere, right? There's just so much opportunity, as you say. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and no, I, I 100% agree that it's yeah, the opportunity is endless. And I think you know, if you look at the power platform itself, um, yeah, obviously Dynamics 365 has been around for a long time, but really the power platform as a you know a platform for for innovation, it's only really been around for a couple of years in terms of being a solid platform, right? So you're not if you start now, you're not actually too far behind the game, um, and you can quickly get up to a, a competent level where you know, you're, you're building apps and, and you can actually, you know, someone can employ you for your services. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think it's a, yeah, a good career path for anyone who's looking for something new or looking to get started into something. How, how are you doing business different? Like, um, you know, when you take, say you're taking staff on, you know, one of the things with starting a company in New Zealand, I did, you know, I got the, the flash this, the flash office that all the kind of stuff. And of course it can quickly rank up, uh, you know, your outgoings. Now, you know, in the world we live in, I suppose there's a much less of an expectation around, you know, having office space. Um, is, that, is that part of your thinking going forward or in how you're going to operate as a business? Yeah. So I think um, 
the the way that I'm looking at, at, at having a work at the moment is that you know I've got an office at home and I, I work from home a couple of days a week and then I spend the rest of my time on site with clients and you know they provide a desk or you know a, a space there so um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to go out and get an office these days um, and so you know the, this the next person I'm looking to hire and most people I've been interviewing actually are, are just by default assume they're going to be working from home um, just because of the way it is. And so I'm you know, all on board for that. I think I think that's fine. I think you do need to have a bit of face-to-face time, but, um, you know, you can always, you know, like, you know people can always kind of, um, you know, meet up somewhere and, and or, you know, go hire a, a, an office space for, for a little while. So I think those kind of, those sort of pop-up or shared office spaces will become probably more common, more popular going forward. But um, I think yeah, everyone's just, uh, you know, over the last year, everyone's become so used to working uh, remotely and from home. Uh, I don't really have seen it being a barrier anymore that you have to be in the same place uh, all the time. But obviously you've got to put put measures and things in place and tools and stuff in place to make sure you can still have that same sort of this level of interaction. And, you know, um, you could very much, you know, easily lose your, your identity and your cult, you know, your, your company culture. Um, if you don't proactively, you know, work on it. So something I'm very conscious of, I think, is as I build build the company. Yeah, there's a good book called Remote, which was written by the founders of 37 Signals or now Basecamp. And, you know, they bought a billion dollar business with I think around nine staff and all of them lived in different parts of the world. And they only met each other about once a year in person. Wow, wow. And they, from the get-go, had this model that they weren't going to build, uh, you know, that that small was sexy and small was profitable and, you know, they've produced, you know, proved it on a massive scale. And But they're able to tap into the best talent all around the world that wanted to work and engage with them without the need to, you know, make business your entire social life and your entire identity, you know. And so, it's yeah, it's an interesting model and it's really applicable in the world we live today i feel yeah and i think i mean especially you know, being a startup and you know and you've you, i know you got your own business as well i mean when you've got a lot of overheads there's a lot of pressure to to make sure you I mean, you've, your billable hours and utilization is up as a consultant and and it becomes very stressful and, and you know i've worked in those environments where you you, you know the business is constantly watching the, the bottom line and whether or not you're going to make profit that month and can pay everyone salaries and it just gets really you know, painful after a while, and people don't. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not their best self, their best selves when they're working. And so, if you can kind of take away that pressure of you know, having to be you know, fully utilised all the time, and um, I think you know, by cutting costs, then you know, people can kind of spend more time on training and learning and all that sort of thing, which um, we know, you know, especially in the power platform, you need to be constantly learning all the time. So there's got to be investment in that area from you know. From a, from a business instead of just, you know, pushing out the billable hours. So true. So true. Tell me about becoming an MVP. Um, who kind of nominated you? How did it come about? Yeah. Uh, so coming an MVP, that was a pretty interesting journey. I, I remember looking at this like a number of, you know, five, six years ago and thinking, there's no way I will ever be an MVP. It just looks like a hell of a lot of work <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of dedication. And I was like, I'm just not cut out for it. Um, but it's kind of funny, you you kind of get sucked into this kind of community and you, you do little things in the community and the more you do, the more you want to do. And then I find the more the more that you kind of give to the community, the more you get out. 
And so it kind of just was kind of like self-fulfilling in a way. It just kind of happened that I, you know, I just, I'm really enjoying, you know, doing community type stuff, you know, like organizing events and speaking at events and helping out in the forums and those types of things. And so it kind of just all came together through me enjoying that sort of stuff rather than kind of having a goal to, hey, let's become an MVP. Um, and I think in terms of nominations, um, oh, I, think, I think it might have been, um, I actually asked a couple of people if they would nominate me because I got that kind of point, but uh, I think um, Jan Sun from Microsoft here nominated me in the end. So he, he, he used to be, he was an MVP before I was an MVP. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's he's an old yeah old school. He's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was very short lived. Like, I think it's only a year in, in the MVP program from memory around two thousand ten through two thousand eleven. Uh, that type of time frame, and he uh, he was working with Indigen at the time and done a big um, uh, like a global tour. It was a release of twenty eleven, I think, from memory. It might have been a release of four Serum four actually. And um, and that really got him up there. But then I think he left, and I don't know if he went directly to Microsoft or or what what uh, or he got out of the industry for a bit. I'm, I'm not certain, but yeah. Oh, I think he went, he's was at Microsoft now, and he's been there for quite a long time. So he would have probably would have, yeah. So he was a, a, a Serum MVP, and then I was the the next Kiwi that followed after him. Uh, there was no nobody in country at that point that was an MVP. So. Oh wow! And now we've got. Well, there's loads of MVPs, aren't there? Especially in business applications. It's, totally, it's totally. Over the last couple of years, it's grown a lot. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's the rise of the power platform, right? The rise of the machines. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Mate, it's it's been good talking to you. We've already uh, up on time. I feel like uh, I should actually meet up with you for a drink in Auckland at some point, and uh, if I ever go down to Auckland, and. Uh, get to know you a bit more, but uh, I always like to wrap up with some quick fire questions, as you know. Um, are you ready for yours? Yep, yep, ready for them. Okay, what is something you are certain you'll never experience, and why? Well, I think, well, especially, especially again, it's probably um, you know, with, with kids, it's, um, yeah, never not worrying about someone else, I think, you know, with with kids, you've all, you know, now you've, there's always someone to, to worry about and look after, and I think you know, even as they get older and leave home, you always kind of have that that um that feeling of yeah, there's there's someone else you've got to got to look after the whole time, which is yeah different from when you're in your twenties and you're single and you're free and you're selfish. <laughs> so true. Yeah. My answer was never give birth to a child. Oh right, okay, <laughs> impossible. <laughs> um, what's your guilty pleasure? I probably probably one of those people where um, if you've got like a if there's a, you know, a block of chocolate open or something like that, you just it'll it'll be gone like you don't just have one piece that's the it's the whole block or nothing right. <laughs> I'm definitely one of those people. Yeah, but if it's closed, if you don't open it, I'll be fine. As long as, as soon as it's open, it's gone. <laughs> like it. That's that's rum for me. If you open the bottle of rum, you might as well finish <laughs> the bottle of rum. Um, how did you meet your best friend? It's yeah, well, at school. I've got yeah, my my best mates. We've been mates since secondary school, and then um, yeah, went to university together. Um, yeah, it's um, I guess one of those kind of quite simple stories, but yeah, it's just basically through school. Mm-hmm. If you could visit any place in the world, where would you go and why? Forget about COVID. Let's say that wasn't an issue. Visit any place. Um, I've done quite a lot of traveling, but I haven't. Um, haven't been to Japan. I'd, re- I'd really love to go to Japan. I kind of I like, 
his place is weird, you know. It's good, you know, I guess Mexico is probably one of my favourite places because it's, you know, it's got a good culture, completely different culture from us, really good food. Um, and so I think, you know, Japan kind of ticks those boxes as well, you know, completely different culture, something else to experience and, and good food as well. I like it. Would you rather give up your smartphone or your computer? Probably the computer, to be honest. You can do just about anything else on your smartphone at the moment. So, yeah. What book have you read recently that you would recommend and why? Uh, so, yeah, so a book I've just finished reading, actually, is a book called Sprint uh, by Jake Knapp. So, um, as you as you know, Mark, I'm quite into design thinking and applying design thinking to you know, the way I approach Power Platform. But... Um, I guess what I'm struggling with is, you know, design thing is kind of a quite quite loose, and you've and the way that you, um, I guess, apply it to things is quite interpretive. So this the design sprint is all around how you apply design thinking in a very structured process and gives you step by step ways of doing it. And so, um, you know, currently looking at how can I include those sorts of things and as part of my service offerings. Um, so yeah, really cool book. Even if you, um. Uh, you know, just got some quite good ideas about how to run workshops and and um, get people to participate and make decisions about design and so, those sorts of things. So, yeah, highly recommend that one. Nice. Hamish, thanks for coming on the show. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. And yes, definitely, if you're ever in Auckland, we should catch up for a beer. We've spoken a couple of times <laughs> on the, over the, you know, over the airwaves. It'll be good to catch up in person. Hey, thanks again for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, also known as the NZ365 guy. Please like and subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to leave a review, go to nz365guy.com forward slash review. As always, stay safe out there and see you next time.